Don't be afraid. Lock the doors. Turn out the lights. And climb into bed. It's time for Hillbilly Dead Time Stories. There have been several cases throughout history where a person has placed a curse on a town while in the shadow of the executioner. Daniel Keith was one of these people. Daniel was a very large, hulking man. He was also hung for a crime that he didn't commit. After Daniel's death, no one saw his ghost, or heard his haunting moans, or even heard his footsteps. Daniel had another way of casting a dark shadow on the town of Rutherfordton, a shadow that reminded the town that they executed an innocent man. Tonight, you will learn about the infamous shadow of Daniel Keith. Rutherfordton is a small town in North Carolina with a population of approximately 4,000 people. This story takes place at a time when public executions were carried out on a regular basis. Sadly, many were convicted of felonious crimes and sentenced to execution on less evidence than is needed to even charge a person with the same crimes these days. Daniel Keith spoke on his behalf at his trial on November 9, 1880 but no one on the jury in the small courthouse believed a single word that he had said. His crime? Murdering an eight-year-old girl. Her body had been found in February of the prior year. It had been a brutal murder. She had been beaten to death with a rock, her head repeatedly pounded until there was no life left in her small, bloody body. This was gruesome enough for the townspeople to seek justice, even if it meant jumping to conclusions and avoiding reason. Someone had reported seeing Daniel Keith near the child's home the day of the murder. Other witnesses testified that he had been drinking that day. That's all that was needed for Sheriff N.E. Walker to go to Dan's house. According to the sheriff, Dan was sober and he denied any knowledge of the child's death. Upon searching the property, the sheriff found a bloody shirt on the back porch. Dan explained that it was a shirt that he wore while skinning rabbits. The sheriff did not believe Dan and promptly arrested him. Dan went quietly, certain that his innocence would soon be proven. Sadly, Dan's size may have hurt him in the eyes of the townspeople. This is the size person you could imagine committing such a brutal crime. He was huge with a red beard, and he towered over the other townspeople. And those hands, those very large hands, those were the type of hands that you could see lifting a rock over a child's small head repeatedly. Many felt that it was his size alone that caused Dan to be suspected of the crime. As days became weeks, 
passersby reported hearing loud shouts coming from the jail as Big Dan was questioned again and again in an attempt to get a confession, but he always maintained his innocence. Dan said, I never killed nobody, and them what say I did will pay the devil every day for saying it. As the trial started, Dan was already convicted in the townspeople's public opinion, many saying that he didn't even deserve a trial. Inside the courtroom, Dan wore a homemade green shirt with wooden buttons as he sat in utter disbelief. The trial was extremely short and a number of the townspeople testified against Daniel Keith. One of these people was a 16-year-old boy. The boy swears that he heard a girl scream and then he saw Dan lumbering away from the same area. He had blood dripping from his hands. However, the shirt that the boy said Dan was wearing was a different color than the one found on Dan's back porch. Most people believe that the boy was fabricating the story just to get attention. In the witness chair, Daniel again proclaimed his innocence. His voice was so loud that it was heard across the street from the courthouse. The prosecutor told the jury that Dan was a monster. The only way that the women and children in town would be protected from the brutality of such a creature like Dan was to convict him. It took less than an hour for the jury to find Daniel Keith guilty. Daniel was permitted to speak after the conviction. He looked from juror to juror and then seeked out the smug faces of all those who testified against him and repeated his threat. Those who say I killed anybody are liars and each of you will be hainted every day for the rest of your life. Then the devil will have ye. Daniel was sentenced to be hanged two days later on December 11th. The judge ordered Daniel's property, all the way down to the sugar and the flour in the cupboard, to be sold at auction to cover the expense of the trial. A huge crowd gathered along the streets of Rutherfordton to watch the horse-drawn death cart carry Daniel Keith to the hanging site. As the noose was tightened around his neck, Dan said, The soul of an innocent man don't rest. Tears rolled down his face into his red beard as the body was dropped to its death at 1 p.m. As dusk fell, Dan's body was removed from the gallows and taken to the cemetery. Talk of the hanging had started to subside, and new chatter had started about a shadow that had recently appeared on the south side of the jail. It was a shadow that seemed to be the outline of a hanged man, a big man dangling from a rope, a shadow that remained through the night and throughout the next day. The shadow appeared to be permanent. People from all over who witnessed the hanging returned to see the shadow. It was widely agreed upon to be a haint. A haint is a specific type of ghost or evil spirit according to coastal Carolina lore. It would take a man as large as Dan to cast such a sizable shadow. So many people traveled to the small town to see the shadow that it became an embarrassment. Employees began to try to scrub the shadow off of the wall. Persistent scrubbing took the paint off of the wood, but the shadow remained. Next, the wall was repainted with several coats, but the shadow still remained, so clear that it could be seen at night. Eventually, the jail was sold and converted into a private residence, but people still traveled to town to see the shadow. The new owner planted ivy in an attempt to cover the shadow, and soon the ivy covered the entire south wall. The shadow remained, just under the ivy. In 1949, two things happened that ended the story of Daniel Keith and his infamous shadow. 
First, the former jail was converted again, this time into an office building. The remodeling required taking down the ivy and repainting the south wall. This time, the shadow did not return. Was it because of the paint? Most in town point to a different reason that the shadow did not return. An 85-year-old man who lived in a retirement home passed away. This lifelong resident just happened to be the 16-year-old who testified against Daniel Keith in 1880. He was the last living member from the trial. So I 